So what about homeschool socialization? Have you heard that question? I know I heard that question all the time, but I homeschooled before the pandemic. And I know that people had a differing view or a different experience of what it was like to learn at home. And so maybe you're not hearing that as often. Well, today, if you are hearing that question or you've heard that question ever, then I'm going to discuss Rachel Gather Cole's book, The Well-Adjusted Child, and it'll help pretty much offset every question that we've had or every wondering we've been concerned over when it comes to the discussion about socialization for our homeschooled kids. Welcome to the Homeschool Mama Self-Care Podcast. I'm Teresa Wiedrich, homeschool life coach over at CapturingTheCharmedLife.com. This season is dedicated to those homeschool moms who want to shed what's not working so they can show up authentically, purposefully, and confidently. On today's episode, we're going to discuss Rachel Gathercole's book, The Well-Adjusted Child, and help put at ease our concerns, or maybe our concerns about what other people think about our child's socialization options in our homeschools. Sometimes I think homeschool families get defensive about this question for a few reasons. One might be that we're not settled with the benefits or the reasons we do this homeschool thing and how it influences our kids' socialization either. Sometimes we don't have our perceived ideal homeschool community for our kids, and so we're also concerned. Or because we aren't 100% present or available for our kids all the time, because maybe we have a part-time job or a full-time job, or we're emotionally preoccupied with something else going on, or we get annoyed or irritated by our kids' noise, or maybe we're just tired of reading over and over and over, or playing Minecraft over and over and over, so we're not 100% present or available for our kids all the time. Maybe that's a reason we're concerned about socialization for our kids. Or maybe we don't have the idealized extended family scenario. We'd rather be surrounded by a community of people loving on our kids, not just us, not our immediate family only. Or maybe we can't afford all the extracurriculars that everybody speaks to when they say, are you kidding me? Social opportunities. My kids have so many social opportunities, but you can't afford those social opportunities. There may be many reasons that we actually become defensive about this socialization discussion because inside of ourselves, we're not really settled in all these areas. On today's episode, we are going to get clear about what our concerns are or why we get defensive about other people's concerns about the discussion of socialization in our homeschools. But before we begin to dive deep into Rachel Gathercole's book, I want to ask you these questions. When someone asks you, but what about socialization? How do you respond? Of the things we can be concerned about, the five things I just shared about why we might be uncertain, why we might not be settled about this discussion in the first place, what concerns you? And what would your definition of homeschool socialization be anyway? How would you know you hit the mark of homeschool socialization? 
So welcome to the episode where we consider Rachel Gathercole's book, The Well-Adjusted Child, and how it might inform our homeschool lives. If you've already read her book, before you even listen to the episode, would you shoot me a message to tell me how it impacted you? Okay, so let's dive in. This is how Rachel Gathercole can inform our homeschools. From my perspective, she explores all the possible areas where we might be concerned. She helps clarify what we really believe and helps us be clear on why we don't have to live defensively as a homeschool mom in this discussion. The first thing Rachel Gathercole says that helps to inform our homeschools is this. Once upon a time, all children were homeschooled. They weren't sent away from home each day to a place just for children, but lived, learned, worked, and played in the real world, alongside adults and other children of all ages. We assume that kids must go to schools to learn, that they need a teacher to learn stuff from, that they must have lectures, lessons, testing, and grading in order to build an education, And somewhere along the way, we've been told that schools are the best place to socialize, too. When our kids spend their days in school, they do get to sit alongside their peers. Maybe they're eating a bagged lunch for 15 minutes. They get to play outside on the soccer field with their peers for a rousing game of soccer, if they so choose. But when they're in the classroom, they're told to sit quietly. Listen to the school teacher, watch what they expect, and address her by her formal name. There is no one building an attachment or connection with my child. There's no one directing my child to address his big emotions or allow boredom to compost into healthy creative curiosity or to facilitate play-based learning or even to free play with their classmates. We can learn from John Taylor Gatto And also, we'll be discussing one of his books in our upcoming Homeschool Mama book club. So we can learn from John Taylor Gatto how schools came to exist. Ironically, he was a school teacher who didn't think schools were the ideal place for kids to learn and grow. Socialization and social opportunity aren't the same things. Social opportunities abound in a homeschool life. My kids and most homeschool kids I know have attended youth groups, hang out with friends, travel to new cities or countries, attend guitar and piano lessons, homeschool co-ops, college classes, dance classes, gymnastics, choir, swim lessons, soccer camps. I could go on and on. We've got more time to be with other people now that we're educating at home. Socializing opportunities abound. Opportunities for socialization also abound and are an ongoing effort. Now, socialization opportunities, I don't see the same as social opportunities. Social opportunities, you get to mix with other people. Socialization is developing something inside of your children so they can learn how to be with other people, teaching them kindness or patience or consideration or a sharing spirit. These, they get taught every single day. My children have siblings, therefore constant opportunity abounds. Can I hear an amen? Rachel Gathercole says on a certain level, homeschooling is all about socialization. Whatever the teaching methods used in school or homeschool, it's ultimately the social environment itself 
that distinguishes homeschooling from conventional school. This social environment includes the nature and quantity of peer interaction, parental proximity or closeness, opportunities for solitude, and relationships with adults, siblings, older kids, younger kids, and the much larger community. The ways in which the children are disciplined and by whom, and even the student-teacher ratio and the overall environment where the children spend their time. Homeschooling is all about socialization, Rachel admonishes. The school experience might be normal in our culture. Definitely in our culture, it is the norm. Most people go to school. I did it myself for 12 years plus six years post-secondary. But normal doesn't necessarily mean healthy. In that regard, I'm not convinced. Attachment theory, you can learn more through Gordon Neufeld's thoughts about attachment, has cemented my belief that when kids hang around kids for long periods, they tend to become dependent on their peers. Dependent to ask each other, what should I wear? How should I act? What should I do? What should I value? Who should I be friends with? How should I think? How should I see the world? And that is not normal, not human history normal anyway. I'm not against my kids hanging out with other kids, of course. They love their friends. They love meeting new friends and love to chitter chatter with people of all ages, from babies to seniors when we visited the senior center. But when their little hearts look to other kids to determine whether something is a good thing to do, or whether something they do is valuable, whether they themselves are a person of value, then nope, I don't support that kind of social structure. A social structure, by the way, that will never be repeated in their life again. Kids don't need school socialization. I believe that kids were meant to primarily look to their parents as guides, affirmers, and leaders in their developing lives. So the ideal place for kids is to be socialized alongside their parents. Have you come to understand that this socialization question is an extension of the schooled culture or schooled mindset? The schooled mindset and beliefs about education and socialization are replicated in many families' minds because it's the dominant cultural conversation. What would you say are other mindsets or beliefs that come from a schooled mindset, but not ones that seem true in your homeschool family's lives? I'll share eight here. But presently, I have 29 different things that I think we can de-school from, on a post that I have on my website called What Do Homeschoolers Want to De-School From? Let's get specific. 29. I don't know what you'd have on your list, but I'll share just eight here. The schooled mindset assumes that we have to keep kids busy so they can learn. The schooled mindset says that kids must have a constant exposure to new and expensive things. That kids need to identify in a particular grade that we assume kids need teachers to learn stuff. And we assume learning comes best through lectures, textbooks, and testing. 
Do we assume kids need to learn certain things at certain times? Because the school mindset does. We assume kids typically are at the same developmental level to receive knowledge bits at similar times. And the schooled mindset assumes that we need to organize learning then create systems of learning. That's just eight things that I think we need to de-school from, eight things that come from a schooled mindset. Next month, I'll be offering a group coaching opportunity to help you clarify the things you know you need to de-school from. Why de-school? So you're more confident, less defensive. The more you de-school, the more you provide an individualized, freedom-based education. More child-directed, interest-led homeschool. If you're curious, you can access the de-school your homeschool checklist over on my website, Capturing the Charm Life. Or you can also find it on the Facebook group, Homeschool Mama Support Group, or in the link in my Instagram bio. You can also sign up for the free class, De-Schooling Your Homeschool, Reimagine Your Homeschool Life, on my website, Capturing the Charm Life. Okay, back to the episode. Rachel Gather-Cole also encourages us. There is no standardized test at the end of high school rendering a socialization score. No common objectives for socialization over the course of schooling at all. I believe forced association is not socialization. Why are people worried about my children being socialized? Do my children have routine opportunities as adults to spend seven hours with 24 other people? Would I be happily hanging out with another 25 people every day if I could choose it? No, the answer is no. The second thought I have is that I do indeed have to put an effort into connecting with others outside my home. There is no Tuesday afternoons homeschool co-op where I live, or there hasn't been repeatedly and continually, but in the homeschool community, there isn't an expectation that we're all showing up at the same time, same place every week. Now, of course, that's unique to where I've lived, but also it's kind of a homeschool thing to think independently. And also consider for a moment that if we're all agreeing, all these families agreeing to educate our kids in the same place, same time, same building every week. (laughs) Can we call that school? Okay, sometimes we call that co-op. Yes, I know. Been there, done that too. My third thought is that my kids have learned a whole lot about connecting with others. This may have happened in or out of school, but I saw in my homeschool that one of my kiddos learned how to come out of her shell by connecting with others. Other kids never owned a shell. A couple of my kids learned to give other kids a chance to engage them, and they may not have instinctively done that if they weren't in our home. My kids are learning to be kind to others that aren't always kind to them. They have someone to guide them to help do that along the way. Some of my kids are learning to curb their sharp tongues with the assistance of their mama, but probably also learning sharp quips from her too. The fourth thing I've seen is that my kids have been learning to consider their siblings, and that has most definitely socialized them. 
They've learned to not bicker, but instead talk through things. They've learned to listen to each other's perspectives and feelings. And they've learned how to share their own feelings too. The fifth thing I've seen is that they are, homeschooled kids, are regularly exposed to the regular community. They interact with adults from all sorts of different places, you know, from the post office to the grocery store to guitar teachers to choir directors to children and other homeschool families to the older people in their lives or in the senior center. They are exposed to all sorts of people across the culture in our community. And they talk to them as comfortably as they're talking to me. The sixth thing I've noticed is that we're doing things differently as homeschool families, but we're not lone islands. We're not lone social islands. My kids weren't always in the confines of a cement building with a few other hundred children for six hours a day, switching from class to class, being told to be quiet in class or and told to hush because the teacher was talking. But my kids have had a whole lot going on in their social worlds. And along the way, we created all kinds of social opportunities and connections. The fourth thing Rachel says in her book, The Well-Adjusted Child, when we deal with society, we can see it either as a cold, lonely mass of nameless, meaningless faces, or we can approach each person as an individual. When we want into a company office to work, for example, it matters not whether we've ever set foot in a classroom full of kids our own age, but rather whether we have the skills and compassion to do our jobs and to interact and resolve issues with other individuals with creativity, understanding, and integrity. Homeschooling offers kids the opportunity to learn these skills through years of guidance and practice in living and resolving conflicts with people they love, people they care about, and people they must continue to live with every day for many years. If there were any other skills that we parents might learn before we begin this parenting trek, I think it would be this one. How to kindly, authentically, diplomatically deal with our little people because we have to learn Counseling 101 a homeschool parent's most important skill. We have to learn how to deal with our kids and our big emotions, which is really tough work. Trying to figure out how to coexist in the world with other people. But we weren't put in this world alone, so we better figure out how to empathetically engage in our social sphere. Our kids learn to navigate these relationships by watching us The sibling relationship, especially in a homeschooled home where continuous contact is present, requires an energetic, proactive parental approach. Sometimes it feels like bullying is happening at home or at least mistreatment. When people say that kids don't, uh, homeschool kids don't experience bullying or mistreatment, uh, girlfriend, if they have siblings, they most definitely do. Or if they're single kids with any friends at all, yeah, they do. Kids mistreat each other. It's a thing. 
teaching kids that they have relational power and can use that power to build up or tear down doesn't happen overnight, but opportunities abound to engage it. Some days it feels like no matter how many directions we give them, they still resort to head-banging, hair-pulling, tattletailing, and bugging one another. And you get to be part of the full transcript. Just imagine for a moment, because I'm sure that you wouldn't even be able to take an example from your day today. But just imagine for a moment, you get to hear a full transcript. Mom, then she said, dot, dot, dot. But first she pinched me or hit me or told me what to do or grabbed the thing away or you fill in the blank. Sound familiar? On my best days when they were younger, when my kids were younger, I had them talk out their problems in front of me occasionally. I suggested, of course, that they would do it independently eventually. But imagine this, me. Okay, so I say this. So, okay, now both of you, both of you are now cooled off sitting in front of me. Why don't you take turns sharing with each other what you're feeling or share what your main issue is? Then when one of you has shared, the other's going to repeat back what you've heard. Matter of factly, no unkind tone, no contempt, no rolls of the eyes. Just repeat back what you've heard so you know that you've been heard and that she's been heard too. Kid one says, so this is what I thought you said. You think I'm a purple elephant riding a green tiger that poops on a figure eight on the sidewalk. And as long as she's not lecturing as she's saying that statement, kid one, making, you know, you did wrong by telling me this, or I can't stand it when you say something, kid one has the freedom to tell kid two what she thought she heard. Then kid two has a turn. No, that's not what I said. I said, you can be the purple elephant riding a green tiger that loops around the figure eight on the sidewalk. And (laughs) you can imagine how this conversation might go. There might be a few go arounds to figure out why they were even talking about purple elephants riding on green tigers that loop around anything, not poop around anything. They might come to some understanding of one another eventually and live happily ever after. (laughs) No, but they might grow in understanding of each other. This conflict approach, this approach to dealing with conflict is not magic. It's not a magic trick, no magical wands, but this process enables siblings to understand each other, or at least be quicker to listen and slower to speak. Hopefully even learning to engage with less conflict and more understanding eventually. So if you're someone who is thinking, whoa, that process would take way too long. I do not have the time for that. Just deal with it yourself, kids. I feel you. I understand how annoying it is to have kids' conflicts and troubles interrupt yet another activity because of yet another skirmish. But I suggest that teaching our kids these skills is actually more valuable than any skill under your homeschool roof. A socialization skill? There isn't a bigger gift that you're going to give your kid than the gift of empathy or emotional self-regulation. So understanding someone else's perspective is a tool that your kids will use for the rest of their lives 
helping them feel more peaceful inside, more mentally free, and also have deeper, more connected relationships. And if they don't learn it when they're young, they might just have to do it under the auspices of an expensive overseer, a paid therapist. Teaching empathy and emotional self-regulation isn't a lesson that is learned in a one-hour block in a classroom in a brick-and-mortar school. This is a lifelong classroom discussion or a lifelong lesson that we must learn an incredibly important aspect of socialization, one of life's most essential skills, and it can be learned at home. The fifth thing that Rachel Gather Cole shares in her book, The Well-Adjusted Child, I think we should say that our relationships with our children are most important. Some people choose to homeschool because they feel that their children will be able to get a better quality education at home, I agree that that can happen, but I think that is a side effect of the good relationships that we have with our kids. I think that building that relationship is the foundation for all other relationships, all other activities and learning and work in their lives. Hmm, good thoughts. So really, she's saying that the relationship is the most important element of the homeschool and actually sets the groundwork for all the other educational stuff. Having mothered four kids throughout the parenting era, the era where we're always encouraging people to parent right, I recognize now that my goal was never actually to parent them. But all those parenting books that I have purchased and read, they were purchased and read and part of my mothering rite of passage. But when I focus my relationship with each of my kids on an outcome, to see my child as a product, making sure that their behavior reflects my values and their education reflects my efforts, I think I missed the point of mothering. I think I was missing the point of mothering altogether. And girlfriend, I definitely spent a lot of my time focused on these things for a long time. Alison Gopnik says the purpose is not to change the people we love, but to give them what they need to thrive. Who knew that this was the entire point of mothering? I didn't. Part of the reason I couldn't see it, besides being influenced by my culture, was that I have learned that I can't do for others what I am not doing for myself. And I was definitely not doing that for myself. As I've grown myself, seen myself as a separate human being with separate needs, I'm able to listen to myself, my needs, my emotions, understand my stories. And when I'm able to do that for myself, I'm able to do that for my kids better. I'm able to offer them what they might need and allow them to be who they are. No small feat, and I do it ever so imperfectly still. But the goal in our homeschools is relationship. And that girlfriend is found in your homeschool home. There are so many beautiful things that Rachel Gather Cole can share with us 
to put us at ease with that question, but what about socialization? So I encourage you to check out her book, The Well-Adjusted Child. I also have written three other posts about socialization for the homeschool. One is about the truth behind the socialization question. Another is homeschool socialization quantified in nine ways. And the third is why kids don't need school socialization and why they need you. As with every episode, I love to hear how Rachel Gathercole's book has influenced you or what you've learned about this socialization discussion. You can shoot me a message through my website, capturingthecharmlife.com, or on Facebook, Instagram, or my private Patreon support group. And would you consider sharing a review of this podcast over on Apple or Spotify or wherever you listen? I share this delightful comment from a listener about Brene Brown's book, Atlas of the Heart. Teresa, this is an amazing book and a great idea to talk about relating to our homeschool. I wish this book was around years ago. I'm doing a lot of emotional catch up in my personal life through her books and videos. Great idea, Teresa. Thanks for joining me today. It means a lot for me to hear from you. So if you can find me on Instagram, Facebook, the Patreon support group, or my website, Capturing the Charm Life, shoot me a message with your thoughts, ideas, or questions. And if you want to support me in the work that I do to bring this podcast to life every Monday or Tuesday, then I would be so grateful for that too. You can do that over at patreon.com slash homeschool mama self-care. I'm looking forward to getting to know you and your homeschool family. Until next week, I hope that you and your homeschool kids can turn your homeschool challenges into your homeschool charms. You've got this girlfriend.